So you have a product. Maybe it's something you made or something you found that you think people would like, and you want to start selling it online. But where do you start? There's Amazon and Etsy and eBay, or maybe you should just make your own website. It can be so overwhelming to sort through all of the options. So while I have a lot of experience selling digital products, I don't have a ton of experience navigating platforms like Amazon or Etsy or eBay, and those can be amazing opportunities for a lot of homestead entrepreneurs. So I am thrilled to have an expert on this topic joining me for today's episode. Nicole Janetta is the host of the Backyard Bounty podcast, where she and her knowledgeable guests discuss all things backyard and hobby farming, including farm entrepreneurship. Nicole is also a Colorado master gardener and a master beekeeper from Cornell University, and she has a passion for sharing knowledge with others, so she founded her website, Heritage Acres Market, as an online educational resource on backyard chickens and beekeeping. So you're going to get a lot of clarity from this episode, and kind of towards the middle and end, we have a really interesting conversation about dealing with competitors and knockoff products. So it gets really juicy, and I think you're going to get a lot of actionable info. So super excited. Here we go. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm pumped about this topic. Uh, like I was telling you before I hit record, I don't know much about this space. I mean, I sell a lot of digital products, but I've not ventured much into the world of like e-commerce as far as like tangible products or manufacturing a product or working with some of these different platforms. So I am really excited to hear your expertise in this area. Yeah, I'm you know really excited to talk about this day. Hopefully I can provide some value to your listeners. Um, this is something that I've been doing, honestly, since dial-up internet when I was in middle school at about 12 years old. So uh, trying not to age myself. I've been doing this for, um, for almost 20 years, actually. So mm -hmm. um, I, have, I have a little bit of experience. Yes, I love it. It's funny, when I was in um, middle school, high school, I was also on dial-up internet, starting a blog. Like I wasn't doing uh -huh. e-commerce, but I was doing <laughs> blogs. So I, I guess you, when you have the fire, you have it. <laughs> I get, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yes. And, and here we are um, yeah. 20 years later. So can you kind of give the listeners a little bit of a background on your business as far as like what you've been selling and, and how you got into this world? I mean, besides doing it in middle school. Sure. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a, a strange path that led me to where I am today. Um, like I mentioned, when I was um, young, I, I was selling stuff on eBay, just, you know, I think every kid wants to make money and growing up in a digital age, it was um, just kind of what what clicked for me. So I would um, 
either sell some things that I had and I wasn't using, or I would go to the thrift store and buy things um, and then sell them on eBay. Um, and then unrelated to my business throughout my adult life, I've been selling on eBay um, and some other platforms for, for several years. Uh, I did it professionally, if you will, for about a year. I worked um, at a motorcycle dealership, actually, when I lived in Wyoming, um, cool. and I sold power sports and parts and accessories. So um, in total on eBay, I've done over a million dollars worth of e-commerce um, and then also selling on the other platforms. And then as far as the business side of things, um, never really planned on starting a uh, e-commerce business. Uh, I used to work at a uh, fire department. I was a firefighter paramedic for about 10 years. Um, moved to a fire station that was a little less busy, was a little bored. <laughs> and so I started, um, in my mind, I started a website to write articles to dispel a lot of the um, in a, incorrect information online about raising backyard chickens. Um, mm. And, and then that kind of spiraled into one thing led to another. Um, I ended up through a series of events, um, becoming a distributor for a chicken watering product. Um, and then I learned that in order to really, um, get that product out there, I needed to start a blog. So I didn't plan on being a blogger. I just started the blog to support the product sales. And then it just all kind of snowballed and, and here we are today. <laughs> Okay. Awesome. And you have, so you have chicken waters. I know you still do the kombucha scobies. Cause I don't have one of your scobies. Um, you unfortunately I just sold out of those. Um, oh. and right now I'm not making any new ones. Okay. They, they okay. require, um, a little bit more than, than I can give to them right now. Sure. I, I would imagine that would be the case. Um, so the chicken waters at this point are your kind of your main product. Is that, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So I, I have a couple other, um, products, but the, the chicken watering nipples are are my main bread and okay. butter. Okay. Awesome. Um, it's interesting to me, you know, you started selling before you started your blog, which is, I think a little unique for a lot of folks because most folks like me, you know, we start the blog and then we're like, Oh no, I have to monetize this. Cause otherwise I'm just spending all this time sure. and it's just this <laughs> giant hobby. So I think it's cool that you were able to bring that in like kind of on the back end. Did you see, like, how did that transform your sales process or your sales numbers once you did start bringing the blog into your marketing efforts? So there's been, um, a lot of things to go on with the, with the products I sell, which we can touch on if you'd like, and if we have time. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I, when I first started selling them, sales were okay. Um, but then, through a series of events, I had some unexpected competitors and I had to find a way um, to compete with them. Uh, so I started the blog and um, then it, it, it increased my sales quite a bit and then led to other, um, other things along the way. But sales were okay-ish, you know, not, not a whole lot, but after starting the website, they, they increased I, I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly, but significantly by huge margins. So do you feel like, I mean, when, I, when I'm hearing that, I'm like, I, I'm guessing that adding a personal touch and adding a story and adding some humanity to this product is, was that, do you, do you feel like that was kind of the thing that caused that bump in sales once you started it? Or is it just different marketing? Like you maybe were advertising in different places. I think uh, the, the, personal side hasn't really caught on um, because that's 
really part of what makes my product unique. And unfortunately, a lot of people are more familiar with my competitor who um, Mm. they actually uh, copied my product for a long time. I was the only one. Um, Then they copied it. And, and, and so it's not, it's not the same. It's the same product, but made completely uh, different. Um, So the, the story and human side of it, where you know, my product is the original one and stuff that hasn't really quite caught on. Um, it's been more of building a website, um, doing SEO, which was very overwhelming. So getting people to my website about unrelated chicken topics and saying, Hey, while you're here, check this out (laughs) and uh, driving people that way. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I definitely want to touch on this whole idea of the the competitor story, because I feel like this is a really valuable piece of this conversation and patents and all that. But before we dive into that, um, I would love to chat about just like the online sales platforms, because there's a lot to choose from. I think you brought up eBay, which is really interesting. That's not a common, not as common as it used to be. Right. right? So when it comes to these different platforms, we have Etsy or, you know, some people set up their own Shopify stuff or eBay. And I know they're, they're not all in the same category, but which one do you prefer? What avenue would you take for selling an actual tangible product that's not just like a digital ebook? Sure. So I would say that um, while you can pretty much sell everything on all the platforms, it would be important to start out and decide what are you going to sell? Um, Are you going to sell a homemade or handmade item? Um, Are you going to go to the thrift store and and purchase products and resell them? Um, Are you creating a unique product and going through the whole manufacturing process yourself, or are you wanting to wholesale? Um, So depending on which avenue you're going um, would make some websites more or more, some platforms more applicable than others. So eBay used to be, you know, the big thing in the, in the (laughs) nineties and the early two thousands. So that's where I started there. I can tell you that right now I sell the most on Amazon but I also have the most struggles with Amazon. It's a, it's a difficult platform. Um, I have the best profit margins on my website, but I also don't sell the same volume. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do sell on all of the platforms. So I sell on eBay, on Etsy, uh, on Amazon, and on my website. Um, and then if you were doing... Um, some products, maybe like the thrift store kind of thing. You could also sell like on um, Facebook Marketplace or on Craigslist or um, I haven't used it, but on Nextdoor, I think you can sell on there. Um, so there's um, other platforms as well. So it just really depends on what you're selling. And I imagine like Handmade would go with Etsy, Thrifted mm-hmm. would go with with eBay or Etsy. Right. Amazon's going to be for some of those more manufacturers. So you just kind of have to find that sweet spot for whatever it is that you're, yeah. that you're selling. Yep. And I know a lot of people do really well, um, buying new products at discount. So let's say you go to, um, the hardware store and they're marking down, like I've actually seen this, they're marking down these really nice led light bulbs for 99 cents. You buy all of those and then you can sell them on Amazon for, you know, $10 a piece or, or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's no shortage of opportunities. You just need to find what works best for you. Okay. So when I think now I think People are going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go find the sales and I'm just going to slap <laughs> it up on Amazon. What does it actually look like though to get that sort of structure set up? Whether you're going to go, I mean, I'm sure it depends on the platform, but maybe <laughs> could you give us like an overview of like setting up on Amazon versus Etsy versus eBay? Just for sure. 
Yeah. So uh, we'll start, we'll start with the easier ones and work up. <laughs> so I would say that, um, Etsy is probably the easiest. Uh, they charge, uh, I believe it's 20 cents per listing. So it's also the cheapest. Um, so basically all you need, I mean, you could do it on a smartphone. You just need to take a picture of your product. Uh, I believe there's even an Etsy sellers app where you could even do it on there. Um, so you would take the picture, put in your title, your description, the price, and click a button, and then it's available on Etsy. Um, one of the things that they offer that I really like is if you click a, a button on there, it will advertise your product on Google Shopping ads for you. And then they just charge, um, I believe it's a commission in of the sale, um, which is really minimal. So they handle some pretty good advertising opportunities for you. And, and you don't have to do anything other than just click the button. Um, eBay would be the next easiest. Um, the process is pretty much the same, uh, but they charge a little bit more. Um, I, the pricing structure depends on whether how you go about it, basically. You could either charge a final value fee where they take a percentage of how much the product sells or um, charge a, a flat fee for the listing. So it, it just depends on how you go about that. Um, Amazon, Amazon, well, I would say that selling on your website is the, the next most challenging um, because just because it requires a lot of work um, in that you have to, to learn some new skills. You know, you have to build the website and get the selling platform and set up the um, PayPal or whatever billing um, uh, system that you want to use. So that requires learning new skills. And then uh, Amazon is the easiest and the hardest at the same time. Oh. I really have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. Um, I did it on my own for a long time. And I ended up um, hiring a company that just kind of helps me maintain it because they have so many rules and hoops to jump through and they are constantly changing. And unfortunately their customer support can be a real challenge where you reach out to them and one person says, yes, it's fine. And so then you do their recommendations and you email them back. And then the next person says, no, that's not going to work. And it's just, it's, it's a lot some days. <laughs> so um, definitely need some more patience for, for Amazon. And, and there's some great companies out there that can offer some assistance as well. Okay. That's helpful. Um, what would you say to someone who's listening and they're like, I'm not tech savvy. I don't even know how to hardly navigate my computer. Where would you steer them first? Um, you know, if you have family, that, that would be, I think, a good place to start. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they'd just be willing to help you, or maybe you guys could work together and, and build something together. Um, if you don't have that resource, then I would definitely go online. Um, there's, there are companies and individuals that can help you get started on all of those platforms. Um, you could look at places like Upwork uh, as a good place um, that's, that has some protections in place. So you don't have to worry about getting taken advantage of. Um, and then there are, I mean, just Google it. I would say there's lots of companies that can offer assistance. Okay. And as far as the platform that is maybe the friendliest for those who aren't super tech savvy, would, would Etsy be a good, like you sounds like you could just kind of get rolling on that without a lot of headache or is that as much headache? Um, I would say that Etsy is probably, probably the easiest. Okay. Um, 
as long as you feel comfortable being able to take the product picture and either either uh, access those photos on your phone or be able to send it to your computer and and do that, I think that that would be the hardest part um, because the rest of it it walks you through and you know tells you type in this and type in that. Mm-hmm. So the rest of it's real intuitive. Okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So whenever I see, like, I, you know, I go buy things on Etsy or I buy things on eBay, which doesn't happen a lot, but every once in a while or Amazon, I, I know because I know enough about social media and how algorithms work that you gotta work the system, right? There's certain things you do that's going to make the algorithm love you. And there's certain things you'll do that make the algorithm hate you. (laughs) And, you know, you see the successful shops and I think it's easy for sometimes folks to go, well, she has a successful Etsy shop with, you know, tons of sales. All I have to do is just slap something up and I'm going to have the same. So what does it look like to navigate the algorithms on these platforms? And could you give the audience any tips for, you know, kind of just best practices to start getting that traction Mm -hmm. as they create their shops and their stores? So each one um, is sort of unique and to be honest with you, there's a reason I hire a company to help with Amazon. I don't, I don't understand why they do what they do some days. Um, and it's, and it's changes so often, but the biggest thing would be, um, keyword research, which can be really overwhelming to hear. There's, that's another thing that you could get help with if you needed. But what I would do, um, is, is, Google the product that you're selling and see if there's any shopping ads that come up. Look at the words that they use. Um, look at the, the words that are used in the top 10 results. And to give you an example of that, um, when I started selling my product, um, which is it's called a chicken watering nipple, I originally sold it as a poultry nipple. Well, when I Googled it, nobody was searching for the term poultry nipple. They were looking for chicken nipples or chicken nipple water or or something like that. So once I realized that that was, um, that I wasn't calling it the right thing when I was selling it and did that keyword research and changed it to chicken nipples, then the sales were able to improve. Um, some of the other things for algorithms, especially on Amazon, um, is keeping products in stock. So there's two different selling opportunities on Amazon. One is where um, you have the product listed and you would ship it yourself, ship it from home or something like that. And then the other one is sending the product to Amazon and then allowing Amazon to ship it with that prime shipping. That's how we get our things in two days. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important to keep things in stock on Amazon because if you run out of stock, they're going to start saying, well, this seller's not super reliable and they're going to knock down your your listings. And then if in addition to all of that, um, you know, follow the money, I would say all the platforms have opportunities to have sponsored ads. So you uh, pay an additional fee, whether it's a flat fee or commission, and they will put your listings at the top. Um, So that's, you know, that's always an option as well. Have you found, I don't know if you've used those or not, have you found those are worth it? Because I know sometimes with Facebook ads, I've dabbled with them in the past and I've had some success, but other times it can get really easy just to like pour money onto it. And then you're like, oh, I made one sale for 
$300 worth of ad spend. Yeah. So <laughs> have you had success with those sponsored ads on those sort of platforms? Um, I have tried Facebook ads with limited success and with the current changes um, with uh, the iPhone and um, and advertising things. I haven't tried it again. I'm not sure how worthwhile that would be now. But on, just trying to think real quick, um, on all of those platforms, except my website, um, I do have sponsored posts. And so that helps, um, helps put my product usually in the, in the top. And even so like with Amazon, um, let's say that they end up searching for my competitors specifically by name, I will still also come up, um, Mm -hmm. as an option as a sponsored post or sponsored ad. Okay. So that can help with that. If someone doesn't know to look for you, but they're looking in your broad area, you you Mm -hmm. can still get some traction. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode for just a minute to talk about one of our favorite topics, mason jars. Who doesn't love figuring out a new way to use a mason jar? I know I do. But lately, I have been on a mission to reduce the amount of single-use plastics around our homestead, and I found a super cool tool that has helped me do that. Recap mason jar lids easily convert a regular old mason jar into a soap pump or a sprayer, or a strainer, or they make your pantry storage even handier. I've been using these lids to help me make kefir, to create bug sprays for my garden, and to use all the pantry supplies and herbs and spices in my cupboards. Recap Mason Jars is a super cool small company. They're based out of Pennsylvania, and of course, the lids are made in the good old US of A. When I was sharing with Recap some of the garden sprays I have been making this year, they wanted to put together a special gardening kit for you guys, my podcast listeners. It includes a pump, a sprayer, a couple flip tops, and two shaker inserts. You can use it for the garden sprays or you could use it for a million other uses, really. The sky is the limit. You can save $15 on this kit and get free shipping and you don't even need a coupon. All you have to do is go over to theprairiehomestead.com slash recap and put it in your shopping cart. And now back to our episode. So here's a question. What do you think of the saying, and I I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway, in the world of a business or online or whatever, if you build it, they will come. Unfortunately, (laughs) as much as I would love to fill you with hope and optimism, uh, that is not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you are selling a wholesale product, um, let's say you are selling, I don't know, umbrellas, you know, everybody knows what an umbrella is. So that's going to be easier to sell. Um, If you're selling something that you made, whether handmade or like a unique item that that you designed and and are producing, or in my case, the chicken watering nipple, people go, what, what is this? Why do I need this? So uh, there has to be some, some customer education to, to tell them if you don't know this, this product, this is what it is. And this is why you need it. Um, and even then, depending on what platform that you sell on, it might take some work and some time to figure out the keywords, figure out um, 
the approach that works best and able to get that product in front of people. Um, like I said earlier, I was selling them as poultry nipples and that wasn't, wasn't the correct term. So while I had a, I had a product and, and I feel like I did an okay job of telling people why they should consider it. I didn't, um, have the right terms. So people weren't seeing it. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's so similar to just the blogging and building a website. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've told my students the same thing. Um, you can't just put something up. I mean, that's not, that's to me, building a website and this sounds weird, but it is not really working on your business until you start actually promoting that website and putting mm-hmm. yourself out there. And so many times, you know, people are like, I'm going to put up an Etsy shop or I'm going to build a blog or website. And I'm like, cool, but that's no different than printing a bunch of business cards and leaving them in your desk drawer. Like exactly. until you get out there and work those business cards and network and push it out, like um, it just doesn't flow. Even with the magical internet, you still yes. have to drive <laughs> people to what you're doing. So yes, yeah. I think the internet has opened up a lot of opportunity and in a way made it easier because we don't have to call people and send them things in the mail and hand out the the flyers or mm-hmm. the or the business cards. But in the digital sense, that's still something that needs to take place. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk more about these chicken water <laughs> nipples because this is such a cool idea. It's such a kind of a, a unique idea. How did you start? How did you get into these? How did you decide I want to promote this? Did you see a need? Like, give us the backstory on this. Sure. Um, so I could go in lots of detail, but I'll kind of give you the, the 30,000 foot view of it. Um, so having chickens myself, uh, I was struggling with dirty water and, you know, chickens, you know, those, yes. those waters with the, the dishes, they get full of yuckies. And being at the fire department, I couldn't clean the water every day. So I was looking for something, just an alternative. And I don't explicitly remember how, but I stumbled upon these chicken watering nipples. Uh, purchased them from the gal that was selling them. They worked really great. And I was like, oh, this, this is perfect. This is exactly what I needed. So I ended up, um, I, they're kind of a do-it-yourself waterer. So you screw these onto a, to a bucket. And I think I bought like a, a two-pack and I decided, well, I, I need some more. So I ended up buying 10 of them um, and I didn't need 10. And so I think I was uh, a little financially pressed at the time. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sell these, see if I can sell these other ones on eBay um, because I don't, I don't need them. Mm-hmm. And they ended up selling in less than an hour. And I went, oh. well, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I contacted the the gal and I had my website at the time and I said, Hey, can I buy like a hundred of them from you and, and sell them online? And she said, sure. So I bought a hundred of them. I put them on eBay and they sold really fast. So I was like, interesting. So uh, then I bought a thousand of them and, you know, it was just all working out really well. Um, I was able to then um, connect to the manufacturer who's in Denmark, uh, was able to buy them wholesale um, and, and was just selling them and all, all was right in the world. Um, so at in the beginning, there was three of us selling them, um, myself and, and two others. Things were going great. Um, and then about, I think about a year and a half into where I was selling them, um, a competitor of mine 
took the took the the chicken nipple, um, sent it overseas to a manufacturer, and decided to um, make their own lower priced version. And that kind of uh, started a started a snowball effect. Um, unfortunately, when you send a product overseas to be made, um, the manufacturers over there, I guess they kind of share share the manufacturing process. So okay. once one manufacturing or once one factory, I guess, has the plans to make it, they they kind of all have access to it. So it went from, I was selling the original one made in Denmark, made of high quality materials. It was just me and two other people to all of a sudden, all of these lower quality lookalikes hit the market. And I mean, like overnight. Um, and it wasn't just the, the person that um, initiated the, the, the copied product, but then multiple, multiple other sellers so because of this, uh, the competition got to be very difficult and the other two sellers decided to step out. Um, they just, they just didn't want to deal with it and they wanted to go another, another direction. Um, and so then I became the, the, the U S or rather the North American, uh, distributor of the product. And I've been doing the best that I can since then. Yeah. And it's, it's been a challenge, but um, that's kind of the long and short of, of okay. how, how I got involved. Okay. That's, that's, that's a, a rough journey. Like I yeah. can, I can just imagine, I mean, how help, helpless that must feel to be like, Hey, I had something good. And then these people just knocked it off in mass. Like I can't yeah. imagine. I'm sorry you had amazing. to deal with that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It, it's amazing how quickly it happened. I mean, I guess, I didn't even think that that getting uh, the product knocked off would even happen. But then when it did happen, it was just all of a sudden. It, yeah. it was just it was just mind blowing, really. So, did you have a patent? Like, how, talk to me about patents and if that provided you any protection. Apparently not. How did that? How does that work? So, I don't have a patent, and I can only speak um, on a small scale because I. I looked into it and long story short, it turned out that it basically, it didn't matter. Um, so the, the folks that were selling it before me, I talked to them. And then I also talked to the manufacturer, um, the gentleman that makes them in Denmark. He also used to work for Lego apparently before, um, selling these, um, he's been manufacturing these since the early nineties. So, um, his time at Lego was, was, uh, a while back. But apparently, in my limited knowledge, patents don't really matter. So if you were to get a patent, which I can't get a patent for this product because I didn't, um, I didn't design it. I didn't make it. Um, right. I'm not the creator of it. Um, but if I was to get a patent, that patent basically only stops other American manufacturers from making the product. It doesn't have any really any any protection for anybody outside of of the US. So it wouldn't stop the Amer or anybody, you know, the Chinese, you know, Chinese manufacturers from producing yeah. it or or anyone else. Um so if you if you wanted to have um the product fully protected, my understanding is that you would have to get of course an American patent to keep other American factories from producing it, but 
You would also need to have um, a registered business in China because that's where most of the um, the foreign production takes mm-hmm. place. Um, you would have to have a, a registered business in in uh, China as well as basically um, a Chinese business attorney um, and Chinese patents. And okay. and even still, <laughs> my understanding is that it's going to be a legal battle um, because I think that um, they will still try to manufacture the product because a lot of people don't enforce it. So um, I, I know that another gal that uh, I talked to who produces some products in um, in Korea and they have a lot of challenges. They were able to get the Chinese patents and stuff, okay. but they are constantly suing um, the manufacturers over there because they just they just try anyways. Yeah. Ah, that's, that is rough. That's really rough. Yeah. Um, how have you adapted after that happened? Like how, how what has your, your response been? So, you know, it's been certainly a challenge and I just, you know, first of all, tried to keep, keep the best attitude about it as possible. You know, it's really frustrating for lack of better words when you go on Amazon and you see, I don't even always come up in the top 10. Um, the competitor that sells my product has, you know, I think at this point, almost a thousand reviews on their product. Uh, there's tons of other companies that are selling it and it's my product and, yeah. and they, you know, and, and so that's, it, it's can be easy to say, you know what, forget it. I just, I just don't want to do it anymore. But what I've found, um, is that I might not necessarily be getting, hundred percent of, of the sales of that product, but the small margin, the very small margin that I am getting has still been at this point anyways, worth continuing. So I think you need to look at first of all and say, okay, is it worthwhile or do I just need to step out? And it's difficult to not be emotionally invested because you've put so much of yourself into this product. So maybe it would be worthwhile to take your numbers to a local small business or, or an um, uninvested somebody to look at it and have them give you the hard truth of whether or not it's even worth um, continuing to, to deal with. Um, But I would say that um, some of the other ways that I've, I've gone about it is uh, trying to work on on building a community through my website and educating people and saying, you know, you can, you can buy whatever you want, but this is why mine is unique. And this is why mine is better. Um, and hopefully if I can teach folks why mine is better, because there is a difference that that will then, um, you know, maybe they'll on social media or something say, Hey, I I really like these ones. And these ones are better. Um, I've had lots of reviews on my products that said, you know, I bought the other ones first and, and they were, they were junk. So here I am. Yeah. Um, advertising of course is, is one way to go about it. Um, anything that you can do to get to get your product seen. Um, like I mentioned, even if somebody looks at my competitor due to the advertising things I have in place, mine will still show up. Um, so folks might take a look at mine. Um, and I might be able to convert some sales. 
Um, selling on Amazon, they have something called a transparency program. Mm. And you can enroll in this, I believe, even if you don't sell on Amazon. Um, but basically, um, it's a barcode that goes on the back of your product. And um, people can scan it and you can see where that product was made. Um, so basically what that does is it keeps the competitors. Basically the way Amazon works is let's say that the listing where my product is, is, is a bucket and it's a bucket for that product. And um, technically let's say we're selling this, this specific umbrella <laughs> again, Anybody who sells that umbrella in theory could sell under that listing because Amazon is promoting that product, not necessarily um, that seller. So with the transparency program, I'm able to register that listing as this is only for the Columbus Aqua brand, not poultry nipples or chicken nipples in general, just the Columbus Aqua. So that keeps the competitors um, from selling in that listing as well. Okay. And okay, that, has, yeah. that has been really important. Um, some other recommendations would be just to compete how you can. Um, my products made in Europe with premium quality materials. The other products are made in China with um, lesser quality materials. And so I can't compete on price. It's just, it just isn't going to happen. So I've tried to put other things in place. Um, I have uh, a customer service support so people can reach me by phone, by text, and by email. Um, questions are answered by myself and another gal. Um, so there, we are US-based customer service, um, pretty easily reachable. Um, I, I've also offered a lifetime leak-free guarantee, um, whatever, you know, that, that would be different depending on what you sell. but. I know that my product uh, will last a very long time and doesn't leak. And that's one of the problems with the competitors is that they mm -hmm. leak. Um, so with mine, if it leaks, I'll send you a new one, you know, no extra cost. That's one way that I can compete. Um, another way would be to provide um, additional products or services that, that supports that product. So in my specific case, there's an installation tool um, that I include. I, I offer two options. One has the installation tool and one doesn't. Um, the tool isn't necessary, but if people want to purchase it, it, it um, is a better value to purchase them together. Um, so it's kind of an extra, an extra product there. Um, I've also found that um, it's good to not put all your eggs in one basket. If I was only selling on Amazon, I would be in, in a much worse place than if I was selling on all these different platforms. Um, while my competitors are on all of the platforms, other than my website, obviously, mm -hmm. sure. um, there's less competition on the other platforms. Yeah. Um, so that helps. Um, and then, you know, if you can if you can diversify and sell other products that helps too. So that if you lose the sales from that product, you're not totally in a position. Um, and then for selling on my website, I found that affiliate programs work pretty well. Um, and, and I apologize if I'm giving you too much too fast. No, <laughs> too no, this is excellent. No, this okay. is excellent. Um, affiliate programs are uh, where I, 
um, will pay commission for somebody to to promote and and therefore sell my product. So I can work with other people who write about um, backyard chickens, for example, and they can be either put an ad or write a product about the chicken nipples. They put a link on there. If somebody buys that special link, then they earn a commission. Um, and that has worked well because we can share audiences. You know, they're able to earn income, which makes it beneficial for them. I'm able to get my product out in front of other people, which um, helps in a, in a way of advertising and just brand awareness. Um, and so that's been, been a good way. Then you kind of also develop uh, a group of people that are saying, Hey, this product is better. And then, you know, kind of word spreads that way as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. What a, what a journey. <laughs> um, and I, but I love how you have adapted. And I think that was so valuable for people to hear because, uh, as I work with different business owners in different capacities, one of the questions that comes up so much is, you know, Oh, there's already too much competition in this space. Or, you know, I want to go to the farmer's market and sell soap or honey or jam, but there's already five other booths doing that, or there's five people in my area. And it's a little different. They're not like getting knocked off from China, right. <laughs> like you did. But, but still, I think what you did in setting yourself apart, um, building community, providing those additional products, you know, the customer service, I think that's really important for people to hear because that can be done whether you're selling chicken nipples or you're selling soap or jam. That sure. that concept is the same, right? And you know, I think it's important to to know that it it's a lot of work, um, and it's um, emotionally <laughs> stressful and yeah. sometimes financially yeah. stressful. Um, but I think that the internet is a big place, and and like I said, you might not be getting a hundred percent of the sales for that product, but it might still be worth your while. Um, so yeah. don't give up. But but you know also be willing to look at things objectively as well. Sure. And I like your, I, your, your tip of not putting your eggs all in one basket. I think that's super smart. And that's part of the reason with my business, I have multiple income streams, right? Because right. when Facebook gets weird or Instagram or YouTube, I, I don't want to have everything all on one platform that is not fully in my control because that's the case with Amazon and Etsy. I mean, they're great to work with, but they also are their own entity. And right. Don't, you don't necessarily have a say in everything they do. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to diversify as much as you have. I'm still much newer to this whole process than than you are, and I definitely look to you for inspiration on on business practices. But like I can tell you, um, with the chicken nipples being my main product, my sales are down between sixty and eighty percent from last year, mm. and it's it's not a good feeling. (laughs) So, um, you know, as I'm, I'm working to build other revenue streams, I, I definitely wish that I had done that sooner. Um, but learn from my mistakes (laughs) and it's, and it's never too late. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just looking at your website and stuff before we jumped on, you have, you have the podcast, your own podcast, Mm -hmm. backyard going. So you guys go check that out and your website. And so you, I mean, you're on that path. So you're, you're not behind the eight ball. I don't think at all. You're just, well, thank you doing the next step. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, I think we're about at our time. Uh, any last words of wisdom for anyone kind of looking into this e-commerce world? Um, I would say that 
to, to kind of, to say it again, you know, the internet is a big place. Um, and, and to repeat what you said, it's not too late. Um, and so I think that if you're willing to put in the work and understand that it's not easy and there are going to be challenges and it's going to take work, I think that it's worthwhile. Um, and, and giving it an honest shot and, and putting yourself out there and, and you can't, uh, you can't win or have success without the risk of failure. Yes. And, and I think that it's worth a try. If it's something that you honestly, truly want, um, I wouldn't go, I would go into it for the right reasons. You know, don't, don't think I want to do this to get rich quick or, or anything, but you know, I've been doing this for five years now. Um, I still have a day job. My hope is to transition into self-employment, but I'm not there yet. But um, I, I heard a quote and I don't remember who it was from, but it was something that I really liked. Um, you know, as the analogies about building a brick house, I'm not just going to build a brick house tomorrow, but today I'm going to lay the perfect brick that I can. And eventually yes. I'll have a brick house. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity and, um, and I think that it's worth while, but there will be challenges along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, uh, I think I said it on a previous episode, maybe the one on Monday, I, I was, I said, you know, nothing sells itself. Everyone's like, Oh, this product sells itself. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <Unfortunately>. <laughs> you always have to, I don't care what kind of product it is. You always have to put the, the work forth. Um, but it's good. And, and like, I like what you said about the risk, because I feel like I, I was listening to a book on creativity and it's something about, you know, there's risk either way, right? There's a risk when you put yourself out there and you do the thing and you open the store or you write the ebook, there's a risk that it will fail. You'll lose money. Mm -hmm. People will hate you. But if you don't do it, there's a risk that your whole life you'll be like, what if I would have done something? Sure. What if I hadn't sat back and just wished for a different way of doing things. So, Absolutely. um, I, of course I have a, a soft spot for those <laughs> risk takers like you who are willing to go out there and you get beat up a little bit, but you just keep on trucking. So yeah. I figure, you know, worst case, you could always go get another job. Yep. <laughs> there are plenty. So, yes. oh man, Nicole, this was so good. Um, give everybody a quick reminder of where they can find you on the great big old internet. Sure. Um, so I try to be everywhere at once, which, you know, how <laughs> yes. well that works. <laughs> it's great. Yep. Know the feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so if you like podcasts, which if you're listening to this, I assume you probably do. Um, I have a podcast that talks about many topics about hobby farming. I have um, a little bit of farm uh, business stuff on there, but it's mostly about um, like taking care of livestock and gardening and things like that. Um, it's called Backyard Bounty and it's available on all podcast players and most episodes are on YouTube. Um, you can find me online at heritageacresmarket.com. Um, I'm on most of the socials and for 90% of them, you can find me at Heritage Acres Market. Um, and then let's see. YouTube. Um, if you would like to get a hold of me, uh, you can always email me or uh, I have a, a text platform. Um, so you could text me at uh, the number that for that is 719-292-3207. Fabulous. You are 
you are very well connected. I like it. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so, I try. Um, awesome. Well, guys, go check her out. Go go listen to her podcast and find, follow her on Instagram and all those fun places. Um, thank you so much, Nicole. This was so good. Thank you for your vulnerability. Like not everybody wants to come on in a public platform and just like tell a hardship or, you know, the, the messy middle of their story, but I really appreciate you doing that. And I know it's going to inspire a lot of people in the process. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I, and I hope that this was a, a value for people and they can learn from my mistakes. And if it can help them be more successful, then please take my hardships any day. Yes. Awesome. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at the Prairie Homestead, or you can follow along on YouTube if you want to kind of see up close and personal what's happening around our homestead at any given time. And that's it for today. We'll chat again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Mm-hmm.